When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome to the BBC Music Magazine podcast. You can subscribe to the magazine by visiting classical-music.com or to our interactive iPad edition by visiting iTunes.com. BBC Music Magazine is now an official Apple Music curator and you can listen to our exclusive playlists by visiting applemusic.com slash bbcmm. I'm joined today in the BBC Music Studio by Rebecca Franks, our reviews editor, to talk about the March issue's recording of the month. This time it's a Sony classical recording of Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto and Stravinsky's Ballet Les Nos, performed by Musica Eterna under Theodor Kerensis. The Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto features soloist Patricia Kopachinskaya, who you might remember as the soloist in last month's First Listen podcast. It's an extraordinary recording, isn't it, uh, Rebecca? It's a wonderful uh, partnership, um, not least... uh, given the um, extraordinary photos we have in the CD notes. It's an imaginative and sort of rather uh, colourful partnership as well. It is. When I received the CD, actually, my first thought was, wow, that's an an unusual packaging. When you see it, they've done a a whole black and white photo shoot in in Russia, out in a a Russian village, staging a wedding. And then my second thought was, how come we haven't heard these two artists together before? Because I know both of their their recordings separately. And as soon as you saw them together, you thought, that must click, that must work, and and it does. Mm. Before we talk about the Tchaikovsky, in fact, which I think is is the most, well, shall we say controversial, because it's quite, I mean, it's controversial in a very, very fine way, but nevertheless, it's an unexpected interpretation. But before we talk about it, let's hear an extract from the Canzonetta, the slow movement of the Tchaikovsky.
So that was an extract from the slow movement to Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. And gosh, what a difference to the normal sort of lush tone you get from today's violinists and violinists of the past, of course. And, you know, it really does draw attention to um, their thinking about this uh, this movement. They really have rethought every note of this concerto. None of it sounds as you might expect. There's an interesting note that Patricia includes in the, the booklet notes. Um, she's written a letter to, to Theodore Corensis, and in it she talks about the link with this movement to the old French song from Tchaikovsky's album for the young for piano, um, which is very similar to a, a traditional French folk song, Mes Belles Amourettes, and it's all about uh, where where are you, my beautiful love affairs, to whom shall I confess my torment and my sorrow secret? So this, this sort of hidden programme, I guess, that mm. she's, she's suggesting. And so a very sort of introverted, very personal approach, and of course that's why it sounds so sort of contained. Yes, and actually you can read about this on Patricia Kopachinskaya's website. She has a section called My Kitchen where she has a whole load of sort of articles and um, thoughts on the pieces that she plays and it's sort of all the ingredients she describes it as that she's using to, to kind of cook her, her performances. So, so yes, her website's sort of well worth a visit for, for getting a little bit more insight into where she's coming from. And of course, it brings the piece very much out of the romantic repertoire and into the folk song sort of realm, I think. And, and I think it, it gives it, I mean, it really does lead on, therefore, into Les Nos, which we'll talk about. It, it links them by, by folk songs rather than having one purely very romantic um, piece and one which is clearly modernist and very sort of peasant folk song related. It, it unites them much more clearly. You do. You feel that the common, her- the shared heritage that these two composers have that really that really does come across in this disc, and I think is one of its strengths. Mm. And you, you also sense that in the, the sort of helter skelter final movement as well, which is great fun. I have to say that the ensemble work is wonderful. I mean, you heard in that extract from the second movement how sort of how the orchestra really sits back and lets Patricia really sing with the violin. You know, they really it's very unobtrusive. But then in this extract that we're going to hear from the finale, it's more, there's that frenzied kind of frenzied spirit here. Uh, and then we get a little section with some of the more reflective wind solos. So hopefully you get a flavour here of, of what the orchestra is doing and how they, how should they work together with the violinist. There's a real sense that these two musicians are bringing the concerto back to Russia, that they're giving it back its Russianness, actually. Yes, and that Russianness is another link to Stravinsky's Les Nos, the ballet written for Diaghilev, for his, for his ballet Russe, which he described as perhaps the most perfect Russian piece ever written, in which Kerensis agrees that it is. Well, it is an extraordinary piece. It's scored for percussion, four pianos, um, singers, um, with a with a rather odd libretto, um, which could have been performed in either Russian or French, but here it's performed in Russian. Uh, let's hear an extract from scene two at the bridegroom's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
So you can really hear that Stravinsky conceived this ballet round about the same time as The Rite of Spring, but wrote it a lot later. Um, that, that sort of same rhythmic drive is there, and that's that sort of uh, uh, almost primitive um, side to it as well, as we've got this sort of the depiction of the peasant wedding, the bridegroom getting ready. We don't actually hear the, the, the wedding itself, but we do hear the banquet afterwards. And uh, so there's, a, the, 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 there's a real depiction of, 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 of the... Um, the frenzy of, of a couple getting married in the middle of rural Russia. Yes, and there's this real sense of the ritual and the dream and chant. These and these texts come from traditional Russian wedding songs, but they, there's so many words they just they fly by. So you know you can't grasp it. So you have to let go in a way and just let it sort of happen around you. Mm, it is um, very sort of immediate music, and that the, the ensemble work is so tight and so brilliantly conducted and played. Um, it's it's almost faultless, isn't it? Karen, well, Karen has said that he's conducted this, performed it 150 times. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a work that he loves and has learnt it from the inside out. And I think it's the same with True of the Tchaikovsky. They went through every single note, and the preparation has been the key. But then they let the improvisation happen as well, and the freedom of, of something different to happen in performance. I mean, like the Tchaikovsky, this is music that is in the Musica Eterna's bones. Really, I mean, um, although this isn't. An orchestral piece as such as musicians from the orchestra. Carensis uh, is very much a man for detail, as you can hear from his Mozart recordings that he's been re- recording uh, for um, Sony Classical and also in his recent Rite of Spring recording. I mean, there's a real sense of um, really getting to the root of the piece and really making sure that every single note is heard. But what I love about both these artists and why I think they work, well, from, the out- <laughs> from an outsider's point of view, why it seems to work so well, is that they... They won't do anything just for the sake of playing the piece of music. They do it because they believe in it mm. and because they're serious about it and because they want to to do something different with it. But as I say, not for the sake of just being provocative. Yes, mm. this is kind of provocative, but it, it's always for the sake of the music, which is why it works. Well, I think Patricia Kobanchinskaya says, um, I can't remember whether it's on the website or on her notes, but she she says that um, they spent hours on the phone talking about music and, and it was through their mutual love that they decided to re- to record together. And you can hear that in Lenos. Um, there's just such a passion and such a commitment and drive to it. Yes, yeah, I completely agree. And I wonder if we could hear another extract from that, actually, which goes back to the point we were talking about earlier about this kind of ritual feel that this music has and it gives a good sense of that. was soprano Nadine Kutcher and mezzo-soprano Natalia Buklaga, um, the weeping uh, mother and uh, another woman, um, unnamed actually in the score, uh, as the bride goes off to get married. Um, it's very evocative, very spooky and very um, like uneasy, pos- isn't it? They uneasy sound like they're music. possessed really, don't they? That ritual sense of sort of lament as if this is slightly out of their control, this, this weeping. 
And you can sense the sort of the, the Russian sky stretching off into the distance, much, you know, like like Aaron Copeland does in some of his music, depict the wide open prairies in a rather more cosy way. This is depicted in a very bleak way. There's grey skies, those endless stretches of forest that you get in, in Siberia. And uh, there's a sort of threatening aspect to it, isn't there? There is. Yeah, absolutely. So... That brings us to the end of our podcast uh, for the March issues recording of the month. And next month, we'll be talking about the April issues recording of the month. So join us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.